Well, hey guys, thanks for joining us. So good to uh, be able to gather together digitally and we're so looking forward to the time, Lord willing, here soon, when we'll be able to gather together again in person. And just wanna let you know, we're monitoring the situation closely and looking forward to opening as soon as we can do so safely for you all. And so um, in the meantime, in this process, I just wanna encourage you to do what Jason said during the announcements, make sure we can get in touch with you. And then also, I just want to encourage you, if you need help in this season, as I've spoken to some of you this week, I know there's some of you that are really going through stuff. And if you need help in this season, um, our church family wants to come together and support each other. And so I encourage you to email us at help at lifegj.org. And we'd love to uh, try to walk through this season with you and see how we can come alongside you as a church family. All right, so if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn over to Exodus chapter 12. It'll take me just a minute to get there, but Exodus chapter 12. Today, we're gonna wrap up this segment of Exodus and the series we've been calling Out of Darkness. And um, really this point, here is a big turning point. We're gonna get to some great, incredible stuff in upcoming weeks, and we're gonna be in Exodus for a while, but we're wrapping up this series here this weekend today. And to get us there, I, I just wanna tell you a little story that'll sort of tie into the message. But I discovered like a, a couple weeks ago, you know, we're getting the sprinklers fired up and trying to, trying to water the yard. And I noticed last fall, I had this hose bib that was leaking. And so my friend Jim came over and helped me. I bought a brand new one. We soldered it in, you know, he got it in there. Um, we, we got it all put back together so it wouldn't freeze up in the winter. And then I go to turn on the sprinkler in the summer or, wish it was summer, right? Springtime, uh, go to turn on the sprinkler and water the trees and it just starts leaking out of this anti-siphon device. Now, like, I guess you can't buy these things without an anti-siphon device. So one extra thing to go wrong on your faucet, right? Uh, so anyway, something goes wrong, it's brand new. And I'm a little ticked off and frustrated about this because it's a brand new faucet. And so as I'm trying to figure this thing out, I'm talking on the phone to one of my plumber friends and he's gonna come over and take a look at it. And he says, hey, just text me some pictures of it. And so I go around and I, I take a picture of it and then you know run downstairs and I figure I'll show him where the water shutoff is too in the back of the house. And so I go to this back corner of this unfinished basement that just doesn't, nobody goes back there very often. And as I do, I notice there's a big puddle of water on the floor and I feel down and right on the main water intake of the house, there's this drip and it's, it's puddling right next to the foundation. And I'm like, oh no. And kind of in an instant, uh, this frustrating situation, all of a sudden, um, actually I'm like, oh, whew, I'm glad that the faucet was leaking because it just alerted me to a major issue, uh, you know, that could have ended up costing a whole lot of money if I hadn't have found that other issue um, for a while. And, and so in the midst of that, you know, uh, maybe coincidence, maybe, uh, but as a follower of God, I think actually God allowed that annoyance of that, that inexpensive you know, new faucet going bad to show me a deeper thing that was going on there that had to be dealt with, that had to be taken care of. And that'll tie in as we see where the people of Israel are in this story in Exodus today. Now, 
As we get to Exodus chapter 12, over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through um, really some other chapters. We had Easter and then last week, Jason went over a huge chunk of scripture and highlighted the plagues. And I hope you went back and read that. That was your homework. If not, you can catch up on it. But really, as we looked about, as, just to recap where we've been in the book of Exodus up to this place, the book of Exodus in the beginning is all about God fulfilling a prophecy that was made to Abraham hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, that through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, that I will take you, this, this older gentleman who him and his wife are barren, they don't have any kids, I'm going to turn you into a great nation. And then through that nation, all the nations on the earth will be blessed. This incredible story, an incredible prophecy. And that's exactly what God is bringing about here in the first portion of the book of Exodus. And over the last like four chapters or so, we see this, this section in the plagues where God begins also then to answer a question because Moses comes onto the scene, Moses goes into Pharaoh, and Moses says, um, let my people go. And, and he says, God, you know, the God of the Hebrews, Yahweh says, let my people go. And Pharaoh asks this question, who is God that I should serve him? Who is this God of the Hebrews that I should serve him? Uh, we have all these gods in Egypt, you know, that we worship. And Pharaoh himself thought of himself as a God. The culture thought of him as a living God. Who's this God? that I should serve him. And really over these past four chapters, if you missed last week, go back as Jason shared about how God through each one of these plagues specifically targets and judges one of the gods of Egypt. And in the 10th and final plague really brings this devastation throughout all these plagues. But really as this ends, we find Pharaoh now the leader of a nation that's been humbled in an incredible way. And that brings us to Exodus chapter 12. And we're going to pick up in verse 31, if you have your Bible. Verse 31 says this, During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron at the completion of these 10 plagues and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said, and go, and don't, miss this. And also bless me. Also bless me. And this is so cool uh, that you see Pharaoh in this situation. He's a different character. Now we've seen he's sort of relented. He's sort of hardened his heart over and over again. But at this point, something is different. And finally, he comes to the realization that, that there is a God and I'm, I'm not that God. Pharaoh discovers he's not God. He discovers resisting God was not a good plan. Some of you, maybe you've resisted what God wants to do in your life for decades or for seasons. And you would look back at those decades or their seasons and the pain that that caused in your life and say, resisting following God, that was not a good plan. And so Pharaoh, in this moment, he's a different guy. He says, go, get out of here and bless me, while you're at it, bless me. Because apparently he recognizes his need for God in this moment or his, his inferiority to God. And I think it's interesting as we look at our culture and I've sort of been observing things during this whole, um, you know, pandemic situation and how, just how the culture as a whole 
is responding. And you know, somewhere over the last 50 years, there's been this real way of thinking um, that's rooted in naturalism, that everything that is came from just natural sources and humanism, that we're sort of the ones in charge of our own destiny. And it's all about us. And almost to the, to the, to the sake that science becomes a God. I, I heard this quote, and it's a quote by uh, actually the governor of, of New York. And let me just say, um, this is not in any way a political statement. Um, we have Democrats that worship here at, at our church and Republicans and independents and libertarians, right? Um, this is not a political statement in any way, but I thought it was really interesting. Um, the commentary on sort of, I think, the way much of our culture thinks when it comes to God and God's involvement in our lives and our place in relationship to God, like Pharaoh had his place in relationship to God. And so here, here was this quote, and talking about how the numbers are coming down in New York. It says this, the number is down because we brought the number down. God did not do that. Faith did not do that. Destiny did not do that. A lot of pain and suffering did that. That's how it works. It's math. Now, I don't know where Governor Cuomo is at in his spiritual life or relationship to God. So I'm not commenting on that. But I, I think this idea, there's a false dichotomy here. And I think you see this all over in scripture. And the false, or not in scripture, excuse me, but in our culture, and the false dichotomy goes something like this, that basically God is, God is sort of over here. And that's great if it sort of brings you comfort to trust in, in a God over here. But when it comes down to anything actually happening in life, you got to make it happen, that it's all up to us. In fact, I think a lot of followers of Jesus end up living their lives much like this. In, in, basically, I call it functional deism. And deism is believing that God sort of wound the whole thing up to begin with, that there was a creator God. But when, when push comes to shove, you basically live your life like God is not active or alive in your life. And so, you know, prayer just sort of becomes um, sort of a thing you do to make yourself feel good or, you know, something to connect with your kids before meals or whatever, you just throw one up, right? But there's no, there's no real sense that God is actually going to show up, that he's active, that he's moving. And this is a false dichotomy for followers of Jesus. It's false because we have, we are called, God gives us, uh, he created humankinds in his image and gives us dominion over this earth and he calls us to work. In fact, if you remember our prayer, prayer series a few months ago, last fall, we talked about how God, one of the primary ways God works in this world is through human stewardship. And so it's a false dichotomy to think that we do something versus God is sort of out here doing something, Right? The truth is God works through human beings and God works through prayer. Prayer is powerful. And if your response in the middle of this somehow is to lose sight of prayer and lose sight of the role that God plays in this, um, that's not a responsible follower of Jesus. Now, we're not anti-science or doctors. That's all common grace. We're all for that. But what this is about it is as a follower of Jesus, your first move, my first move should be to go to prayer. And we don't understand the ins and outs of it. But what we know in scripture is, is prayer is powerful 
and it's effective. And so Pharaoh has this idea of himself being a God, but through the plagues, he quickly realizes that not only is he not God, he needs God. And in the midst of the circumstance, may we be reminded how desperately we need God's presence actively moving in our lives. I've seen people in the mission field. One of the reasons I think I've seen God do amazing things um, and heard so many incredible stories. And yet I, I think it happens more frequently in areas of the mission field, like in far flung parts of the world, right? Where I think there's more of a sense of desperation for God. And I think so many times our first step is to go to what we can do. When our first step should always be, Lord God, move in this situation. We need you. We need you. You are alive. You are active. You are working. And so we see God working in this scene in Egypt. And so in verse 33, it goes on. So Pharaoh says, go, leave this country, get out of here. And then in 33, we see the people also, it says the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country for otherwise they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which was very valuable. And the Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. And this is so interesting because the most powerful nation on earth at this point, God moves in such a way. There's something about the way that God was moving in his people and in the midst of his people and for the benefit of his people in this circumstance that actually the the most powerful nation on earth, it says they plundered the Egyptians. He, He made them favorably disposed towards them. There was something about his presence with them, the way that he moved so powerfully and so actively. And in the New Testament, you see this in the early church, God moving so powerfully and so presently. In fact, um, a little bit past the New Testament period, but you see uh, towards the end of the New Testament uh, where there's persecution under Rome and the people have favor. Followers of Jesus have favor. And church history tells us about Nero when Nero pins the great um, fire of Rome on the Christians and begins to torture them. Even in the midst of that, there's something about God's presence with them and the activity of God with them and the way they respond in love and compassion in the midst of all of that, that they know God is in your midst and the people have favor. Uh, I can think of over the last 50 years in China and China has been in the news a lot, but as the Communist Party tried to press down the Christian faith over the past uh, 50 or 60 years, right? And the underground church just kept growing and growing all over the world. It's because the favor of God was with them, the presence of God, and it gave the people the ability to respond and react in such a way that, that it drew other people in. It drew other people Towards God, they said, I want some of what you've got there. 
And man, what if in the midst of this circumstance that we find ourselves in, uh, what if in the midst of where, where the, the world is right now, what if the followers of God, what if God's activity and his presence in your life and, and my life were so clearly on display that other people, when they see the peace, when they see the thankfulness, when they see the joy in our hearts, when they see how clearly God is, is, is moving around us, that they say, I want some of that. I want some of that. That, that, that I, you know, I, I say this frequently, but even if, even if uh, people are like, I don't know about what all these Christians believe, I, they would still say, I, I want my daughter to marry one, right? I, I want to hire a bunch of those Christians because of the way their lives are, are worked out in integrity and honesty, right? That's because of the presence of God actively alive, his Holy Spirit at work in the lives of, of people who follow him. All right. Let's keep moving here. Verse 37 says the Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Okay, so this promise that God makes to Abraham, you will become a great nation. This family of about 70 people that have now come down into Egypt, God fulfills the promise. And now they are a great nation of people, although they're a slave nation, but they're a large nation and God brings them up and God brings them out. Verse 38, and, and this is so cool. I've read this passage and there's just something that stuck out about this. It says this, verse 38, many other people went up with them. Many other people went up with them. And also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. So there's something about the activity of God. It says many other people, many other people. And as you look at different translations, not just people from the nation of Israel or, you know, the Hebrews. We think that Egyptians went up as you look at some further scriptures. Like there's something that's so powerful about the move of God on the behalf of this people and in the midst of this people that basically they get ready to leave and the neighbors, you know, and the people they're surrounding are like, you guys are leaving? Yeah, we're going, um, is your God going with you? Yeah, I think he's coming with us. <clears throat> Man, I'm with you. I'm with you. Isn't that cool? And they're welcomed in. In fact, just down the chapter, you're going to see Right from the beginning, foreigners are welcomed into the family and the people of God. It's, it's, it's so cool. But there's something so powerful about the activity of this God, man, that motivated all these other people to leave the most powerful nation on earth. Although it was in shambles by this point, but still to leave the most powerful nation on earth to launch out into the desert with this group of slaves because they'd seen the power of God moving on their behalf. And let me just ask you, what if this season in your life and in my life and in this world that we're going through as, as a church and as a body of Christ worldwide, what if this season resulted? What if the outcome was that many other 
people see the way that we respond in trust and faith and see the way we pray and trust God and step out. And then the stories that you and I have to tell are that God showed up and God moved in my life in this way. And what if that became so such a powerful thing that it drew others? And the outcome of this season is that many other people are drawn into the family of God. Many other people meet Jesus through this. What if your life, what if my life was used in such a way that through this, as we come out of through this season, many other people meet Jesus through this. You know, we're hearing stories from all over the world that, that God's using this video venue to draw many people to him. There's a spiritual hunger right now. What if God used your life during this season? And what, what if you leaned into what he wants to do? in your life during this season. We have this saying that we, we talk about a lot, lot here. I mentioned this. It's life is for you, not about you. Life is for you, not about you. It's, it's a powerful concept because God is for your joy. God is for your um, blessing or God is for your fulfillment and joy in life. You, you see that in scripture. And yet life's not about you. Life is there for you to enjoy and for your fulfillment. But as soon as you start getting that mixed up and life becomes about you, not just something's given, God's given to you for your joy, that's where you start losing it. That's where you start losing peace. That's where you start losing perspective about what the whole thing's about. That's when you start becoming a self-centered person. All right, let's finish this off. 39. With the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. This would be celebrated. And we'll talk about this more in days to come. Verse 40. Now, the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for generations to come. And see, for 430 years, they've been in Egypt. Towards the end of that season in Egypt, man, it, it became quite a season for them. Slavery, oppression. It became a very dark season. And yet God fulfills his promise that he made to Abraham hundreds of years before this to draw them out of darkness, out of slavery. And this is the moment you see that come to pass. But see what, what happens here that's so powerful is this, this season in Egypt that they find themselves in, the season becomes so hard, so difficult. And yet the season in Egypt, in a foreign land, as foreigners, is actually an, an incubator for a nation. We talked about this in chapter one. It's actually the place where God draws them and brings them. If God had left this family of about 70 people up in uh, Canaan, they probably would have intermarried with all the surrounding nations that worshiped all these idols. 
and just sort of be, you know, just sort of go into all the other nations. But God brings them down, brings them, sets them apart, brings them to a nation where this group of shepherds who were detestable to the Egyptians, so they wouldn't intermarry with them. And in this place, this incubator, he raises up a nation. And then in the midst of that, as they leave, he gives them such favor that they leave with incredible riches of silver and gold and clothing. Even though they've been slaves all these years, the people have compassion on them. That's incredible. Only God can pull that off. Only God can pull that off. And so in the midst of this season of darkness and of Egypt, God was moving behind the scenes to accomplish his agenda. And I believe in the midst of this season worldwide, God is very actively at work accomplishing his agenda. That many more people would know him. See, there's a spiritual hunger right now that's very real. And God is working in our lives. God is working in this situation. Let me just encourage you, in this time, you know, Lord willing, we're going to come out of this sort of isolation thing here pretty soon. And you're going to start mingling again with friends and coworkers and your church family. And let me just ask, uh, what does God want to do through you? Are you praying during this season? Are you leaning into like, God, what do you want to do through my life? What is your agenda? Bring you back to the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, what is your agenda? What is your will in this situation in the midst of it? Yes, we pray for a speedy end of this. Yes, we pray you would move, you would save lives, all of that. But beyond this, that, we, what would you like to accomplish on a spiritual perspective? Who do you want to draw to yourself? Who do you want to bring into your kingdom? And how do you want me to be part of that? You know, as we were recording our Easter message, I posted this on our little online uh, Facebook prayer group. But as, as we were closing, it was, it was so cool. Um, I'm, I'm, as I'm up there, we're up, like way up, you know, in the, in the rocks and stuff. And there's some hikers up there. And I'm watching as, you know, like Jared, who's behind the camera, is sort of like watching this guy and a little annoyed as this guy like walks right behind, you know, through the scene of the camera. It's like, what? No, right? It's like, can't you see we're doing something here? But then the guy like walks up and I see him out of the corner of my eye and he, and he walks down and just sort of is hanging out behind the camera listening as we close. And as I invite people to, to stretch out their hands and, and pray, I see him just stretching out his hands out of the corner of my eye. And then he sits down. And as we close and, and I give an invitation for people to, to trust Jesus, to follow Jesus, I can hear him repeating and praying right over there. And what's crazy is this was the second take. The video didn't work right the first time. So we had to go back up a second time. And I don't know, I never got to catch up with this guy afterwards. He took off hiking. But I'm hoping I get to catch up with him at some point, maybe in eternity, and hear his story and hear what God did in his life. 
And in your life, God wants you to be used in whatever your circle is. We have this um, thing that's gonna become such a strong part of our vision around here and where we're going in this next season. It's a saying, my circle, my responsibility. And that is it's your responsibility to continue to press into God and grow and seek him. But it's not just for the sake of yourself or even for you and your kids or your family. It's for everyone who's in your circle of influence that you would influence them to come and, and meet Jesus. Who are you praying for right now? Don't forget that. I know some of you are struggling and you're going through it. Who are you praying for? How are you praying about God's agenda? How are you praying for people in your life? Who are you thinking about as soon as you get to remingle with coworkers that you're going to invite to come to church? We may have to sit six feet apart, right? But you're going to invite them. You're going you're gonna to finally have those spiritual conversations, those conversations about Jesus. You know, now is a time, perhaps it's an unprecedented time, to, to have those kinds of conversations because if there's ever a time that we're reminded that we're not God, we're not really in control. And if there's ever a time when we're reminded that life really is short, it's the season, right? And so I wanna encourage you to lean in to what God has in this season for those of you that are followers of Jesus. And just like as we closed in, in prayer and that guy, walked up and sat down. For some of you, you're not normally a church person, but during this season, there's something that's been in your heart and, and you've been um, maybe sliding in and watching online. And I believe God is drawing you. And for some of you, he wants you to put your faith and trust. He's drawing you to himself right now. And so I wanna just, as we close, I wanna give you an invitation to respond. And oftentimes I pray a prayer, but I just wanna, I wanna give do it a little different today because the words, it's not a formula. So I just want to, basically the, the good news of the gospel is that you could not make it to God on your own. You could not come into relationship with God on your own, but he made the way for you through Jesus Christ, his son who died, who lived a perfect life, who died and rose again. And by fully placing your faith and trust in him, you can have life and a relationship with him. So I wanna encourage you in your own words to express to him that you trust in what he did, that you believe he's the son of God, that he died and rose again, and that you wanna give your life to him and follow him for the rest of your days. And so I hope you'll do that as we close in prayer. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for my friends. And Lord, I just wanna ask in this season and in this time, Lord, would you move in their hearts? Would you remind them of what you're doing behind the scenes? Lord, would you give them the faith to lean into that, to step in, to listen to you, Holy Spirit, to open their mouths, to pray, maybe to, to pray for a friend for healing. I don't know what you're calling them, but they would listen to you. And then they would see you move. And Lord, for those you're drawing, would, would they just respond to you here today? We thank you, we trust you, and we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. If you, if you prayed to receive Jesus today, we would love to be praying for you and to hear from you. Please contact us via our website. Have a great week. And remember, stay connected 
because we'll be in touch as this next week or two unfolds. God bless.